All of us believe something about the end of the world. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. Eschatology means the study of the end times. I'm really getting nervous here about what are we going to do? We, we, I'm useless. I know how to use a spreadsheet. We dismiss it as someone else's business. He's talking about the tribulation period. All hell is going to break loose on earth. In other words, no matter how bad things are right now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And this podcast is all about eschatology and what people really believe about the end of the world. And I'll be joined by my great friend, Pete Milner, who is a master of theology, a great student of history, and just a great thinker and all-round good egg. So join me in this exciting adventure. Hi everyone, and welcome to session two of our eschatology series. And today I'm joined by my good friend Pete. Woohoo! Hello everybody. And we're going to be looking at the topic of jihadist eschatology. Mm -hmm. Now you might kind of think, oh, jihadism's old news, we're not talking about that anymore. Mm. We're talking about Putin and we'll come to him later. And climate change, we'll come to that later. (laughs) (laughs) But nonetheless... uh, Global jihad has been a huge topic of conversations, Mm. created endless news broadcasts and um, column inches in the newspapers and so Mm. on over the past, what do you reckon, two decades? Oh, a little more, yeah, probably since the 80s and early 90s, you've got jihadis calling themselves that and being known as such by other people and and starting the fight that, that we now know. So we, I was surprised to discover that jihadis actually base a lot of their activity and their kind of justification of what they're doing on an eschatological understanding or belief, Mm. which kind of is Quranic, but it's actually more from the hadith of Muhammad and that's wow, the you same explain yourself there so you've got the quran yeah. which is the 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 book the holy book like the islamic bible so to speak although some muslims would be happy saying the sort of christian bible is the precursor and the the quran is the sort of last piece of it but the hadith is the sort of extra sayings that are kind of gathered together in a group or a body and Muslims would differ in terms of how much authority they gave to the Hadith versus the Quran. Right. Some would say they're one and the same. It's all Muhammad. It's all the sort of revelation that, that gave to him. Yeah, it's all scripture. Yeah. Whereas others would, would say the Quran alone is, is the true, but the Hadith is a help because it sort of fills in the blanks and, and helps teach the, the pieces. So most of the eschatological, the stuff to do with the last things... Um, that you can find is yeah it's mainly in the hadith those collections of sayings that are from Muhammad um, well they say they're from Muhammad with it's very hard to reconstruct the history of it but there you are yes so very interesting and in and uh, the Muslim mainstream eschato- eschatology mm-hmm. is very has some sort of striking 
similarities to Christian and Jewish eschatology. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, that's partly because we're talking about roughly the same place and yeah. roughly the same people. So yeah. in the same way that Christianity kind of emerged out of Judaism in the first century, um, when Muhammad appears in the, in the 600s and, and he sort of gathers his sacred text and begins his war... He's really emerging from a world where Christianity and, and folkloric kind of Arabic beliefs, are, are sort of Zoroastrianism and some other ones as well, are, are kind of mixed together. And, and when Islam is, is sort of erected, if you like, it's, it's a mixture and it's clearly from all of those things. So yes. There's, and... there's clear links and obscure links and some new material as well. But you can, you could, if you study that sort of... Um, early church sort of three four five hundred ad kind of yeah. world you can see the links that muhammad uses to build up the the picture of islam and the quran yeah yeah and so whilst christianity has unashamed roots in um, yeah the jewish old testament yeah. what is our old testament yeah is the jewish scripture jewish bible yeah jewish bible so of course there's a common thread mm-hmm um, Islam <coughs> is appears and is very influenced by those two strong monotheistic cultures that are all around. Yes, him. and and Muhammad's line is kind of that the, the the Old Testament and the New Testament are sort of um, sort of right, but yeah. a bit wrong. kind of. And here's well. the clarification. Yes. So um, we're going to do away with trinitarianism for instance there's only one god and, and there's not three and there's not too um, complicated yeah there, there was a jesus but um, you've got all sorts of interesting things to say about oh, jesus they which like christians jesus, reject yeah. actually um and the same with the end the same with jerusalem and some of the places that are sort of featured within the bible's text it's like yes it, i sort of agree with the christians and the jews but here's the the real deal that's what muhammad sort of came to bring for sure wow. Fascinating. And so within a Islamic belief in eschatology, sure. there is this figure who is a messianic figure yes. called the Mahdi. Yeah. I'm probably pronouncing it all wrong, so please forgive me if you're an Arabic speaker. Sure. Which means the guided one. Yes. So whereas the Messiah is the anointed one, the Mahdi it's is the guided, the guided one. one. Mm -hmm. And he will appear in the end times and set things straight and begin the process yes i think um it and so he shows up and it's all gonna happen before the day of judgment so yes. where have we heard that before yeah well lots of christian eschatologies i mean the standard plot line of revelation is like that isn't it you know the 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 second coming inaugurates the end of the world as we know it and then it begins the, the day of judgment and the beginning of the rest of things and to be honest different. i think there's a basic instinct in the human heart mm. which says there has to be a day of reckoning for the things that people do in this world because for despots and abusers Tyrants. and yep. horrid people to go ahead and carry on doing whatever they do yeah. without any ultimate judgment seems mm. completely wrong doesn't it to our hearts well, that I mean, crave justice welcome to the last 500 years of western philosophy for sure I mean there are people who would unapologetically say that religion is all a sort of fantasy from people who wish that there was a reckoning yeah. when actually there isn't 
But, I mean, many people from outside of religious circles would still say that somehow there's, there's, the hammer's got to come down eventually, the, the rubber's got to hit the road, someone's got to pay. Sooner or later, you've got to reap what you sow, yeah, which again exactly. is a Christian... Yeah, uh, and, and I'm, I'm used to, in this day and age, being called fanciful for that belief, but right. it is surprising how many people in this world agree that that, that is coming. And so from within Islam, for instance, Muslims very definitely do. Interesting, absolutely. we were saying before we 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 started recording. There's 1.5 estimates reckon 1.5 billion Muslims in the world, which mm. for to represent, I know within that there's a whole spectrum of belief from people who are more nominal and sort of show up for Friday prayers mm. or not and even <laughs> maybe do abstain a bit during Ramadan, but then to the very devout yeah. and very very conscientious Muslims yeah. and then there would be those who see it as a identity statement yeah, yeah. more than anything and And then there'd also be those people who who from a place of, of feeling of true belief would be what we would consider to be extreme yeah. where it then takes on a violent or assertive form that, that starts to dominate others. But I'm guessing they probably don't think they're extreme. They probably think they're actually doing it the right way that everyone else should be doing. Well, PE's private belief about extremism is that nobody notices when they're an extremist. And <laughs> it's hard to tell you. The problem yeah. with not being one is that you sound like a flippy, flappy, don't believe in anything guy too Wishy -wishy. soon. Which I'm not. But yeah. I'm also not really an extremist either. I sure. don't want a violent uprising. I don't want somebody to have all the power to set everything right. I don't really want all of that. What I'd like is for us to have a balanced and careful, thoughtful view of all the facts and then make an educated judgment sure. at the end of it. And yeah, that, there'll be tons of people who sympathise greatly from within Islam, I'm sure. Well, interestingly... It, if we take this idea mm -hmm. of the um, Mahdi... Yep, the coming, guided one appearing yeah, and setting it straight. Yep. There was a Pew poll in the Middle East and North Africa and South Asia in 2012... Sure. ...which found that half or more of Muslims mm -hmm. interviewed believe that they will personally witness the appearance of the Mahdi. Good. So right, that's, yeah. that's a So high, it's a majority opinion. So yes, we yeah. can't say that this is just the view of jihadists. This no, does not. seem to be a mainstream belief. Yes. And it does seem that the understanding is, interestingly, mm -hmm. that... And again, I may be oversimplifying this for some people, but... Is, as far as I can understand it, the, mm -hmm. the belief seems to be that the Mahdi appears yeah. and settles the division between the yeah. Shias the... and the Sunnis, which yeah. had been divided since... 700 AD or something. Muhammad's death. Death, pretty <laughs> It was much. slightly before, I think, yeah. <laughs> and so um, we'll, we'll sort all of that out, yeah. bring unity into the ranks of the yeah. Muslims around the world and prepare the hearts of the Muslim people for the return of Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh my, how interesting. How interesting. And then all of that will build to the day of judgment yes. when um, God, rather than Jesus, because they don't believe Jesus is God or even a no, son of God. But that he's a prophet. But he's a very important prophet. So fascinating mm. and this expectation was found to be most common in guess where 
Let me guess. Where are things at their hardest edge? Back Afghanistan. Afghanistan, 83% <laughs> wow. believed. And Iraq, 72% believed that the Mahdi would come lifetime. in their lifetime. Have you ever spoken to Christians who believe that Jesus will come back in their lifetime? Ma- yeah, within my own family. And not and only that- Are they adamant? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not sure. even... Like, I've got a sneaky feeling. It's more like... Yeah, I know this I'm is... I'm pretty sure yeah. this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a similar poll of, of Americans from all religious and no religious backgrounds found that a strong majority of Americans also thought that the end of the world would happen in their lifetime. Fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. So, um, the kind of modern version of jihadism which kind of broke on our news bulletins, I remember yep. the first... Um, bulletins coming out about the training camps in Afghanistan um, and this shadowy figure started to be talked about mm. Osama bin Laden right and he was training up suicide bombers and yeah people who would go out didn't and... really quite know what was going on no. but there were these images of the black flags and so on yeah this is a major kind of development isn't it and it's yeah. a major esca so the black flags themselves are an eschatological Be- development and signal aren't they because in the hadith um yes the hadith, the, yeah. the hadith sorry yes there's there's a, a saying in there that when the black flags start arriving go to them yeah you know crawl over on your hands and knees if you have to to get to them because that's the beginning of the great sort of restitution yes. of the time when everything will be fixed so when the black flag starts waving, go there. That's it. And so when the Taliban were using black flags before, and Al-Qaeda were using black yeah. flags before ISIS, which is probably the more famous yeah. one that got on more screens, but they used the black flag because they believed that they themselves are the signal of this and yes. the inaugurators of the end. And we became kind of tragically used to the images of kind of poorly shot videos on a phone or something yeah. of a black flag somebody sitting someone with a bag a black bag over their head and someone making a statement before you know executing someone before the head comes off and yes it was all very much like this is part of an inevitable process mm. now the clock is ticking it's interesting though pete mm. just to back up a tiny bit all right um Again, we were talking about before we started mm-hmm. broadcasting, and we'll look at this a bit more in detail in a future session, but mm-hmm. um, episode. But we were talking about how Christians set their eschatological clock very not everyone, but certainly a significant number mm-hmm. set their eschatology clock ticking from the time when Israel becomes a nation state in 1947 or 48 depending on how you count it yeah right and so they would say that exactly at that point then all the biblical prophecies that relate to end times mm-hmm. start to come true yeah yes and start to go down like like dominoes yes well the muslims do the very same thing. absolutely yeah um and it's based on I think it's the Six Day War. Sure, nineteen sixties, yeah. But it's again, it's linked to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and and this is this fascinates me as well. Yeah, how Jerusalem keeps showing up in the 
understanding of eschatology mm. and it's also really interesting how the Middle East is such a kind of focal point of attention yes well it, it it makes sense from the sense that if you look at the family tree of those religions they do all sort of come back to that same point but sure. it, it, it is significant and for for Islam and for Judaism and for Christianity the question of who holds sway in the Holy Land is a massive piece. I think Christians, by and large, um, actually Christians probably subdivide into two groups. Some people that say Holy Land, Palestine, Israel, the Middle East is not the main question yeah. now. Now it's the global kingdom of heaven from yeah. all nations, not just yeah. one. And so it doesn't really matter what political systems are involved in any country, only that the church finds um, you know faith and faithfulness within believers in that country and so Holy Land is, is moot um, whereas the other group of Christians would still hold hard to the idea that there needs to be the the right sort of people ruling it so yeah. a thousand years ago crusaders came from Western Europe to conquer the Holy Land so that they would be in charge of it because yeah. the Eastern Christian Church had lost its grip because Muslims have taken over it yeah. and the, the changing of hands and the feeling that that is somehow incredibly significant is one that a lot of people share, as you say. Yeah. And I mean, in the 40s, when it, when the modern state of Israel is sort of constructed and, and started, the sense that Jerusalem was now an inevitability, because it wasn't at first, um, brought the Arab world into a huge unifying thing. And the Six-Day War was basically every country with a border with Israel attacking it all at once yeah. and it is an astounding piece of military history that Israel yeah. managed to completely hand them all their backsides on the way back kind of thing and and there are biblical references to such a such a thing victory. yeah Gog yeah. and Magog the nations yeah. unifying against Israel and coming to attack them and then Israel sort of somehow being uh, experiencing divine intervention and, and sending them all packing and absolutely at the time you were born people were saying it's happening this is yeah. it Gog and Magog yeah. we're doing it and um, the for, from an Islamic point of view of course the, the right situation is that the uh, Palestinian Arabs the, the Caliph the, the sort of dominant Muslim force rules over Jerusalem of course can I just yeah like when Titus demolished Jerusalem in 70 AD yes uh, the, the Roman general the Roman general yeah who then became the emperor? Left no, no stone standing, like Jesus predicted. Yeah, leaving the temple apart, was down tore to, it to lumps of rock lying scattered around. Mm -hmm. Utter decimation of Utter. the population of Jerusalem. A complete bloody massacre. They killed everyone they found. Beyond, yeah. really beyond parallel in many ways. Although you could argue that the Holocaust is takes sure even but puts that in the shade they, he was definitely trying to kill everyone but he did yeah. a pretty thorough job yeah. of decimating jerusalem well, of course what happens then mm -hmm. is the ca caliph whose name escapes me came and built the dome of the rock dome on the rock of the rock yeah. and it was, i i'm not even not sure of the dates of that but mm -hmm. um he inscribed on the walls some of the words of Muhammad that are now in the Quran, mm -hmm. you know, included in the Quran, because at that point the Quran wasn't actually written down, but interestingly, sure. some of those, but they're very much, he's very much claiming Jerusalem, mm -hmm. the holy city of, I guess, Jews and first century Christians, and even 
zooming forward to our time yeah. still held still in very high regard by lots and lots of Christians around sure. the world and so he was claiming that and he plonks this massive big mosque, mosque on, it. on it like here's my flagship mosque mm-hmm. and I'm clearly claiming Jerusalem yeah. as the centre of Islam mm-hmm. and what what's interesting as well that the early mosques that followed on from that their prayer mats faced east Towards Jerusalem, towards Jerusalem, which is kind of interesting, and then of course it shifts and things change, and it goes mm, to another no, city, right and then and then finally to Mecca. Well, there's a few, isn't it? Because Me- Mecca, Medina, Jerusalem, even Cairo, and other places became the sort of focal point for Islam at various times for mm. different reasons, and some people sort of named them as like, you know, number one, number two, number three, but. There's no doubting that within Islamic thought, Jerusalem is incredibly significant. Yeah. And that's what's so upsetting to the Arabic Muslims who and live in the region when Israel is sort of plonked down on top because they feel like, oh my goodness, some there's an invader. You know, yeah. there's a unwelcome new deadly presence which we've got to get rid of. But if you're a Muslim, mm-hmm. you can clearly see how Islam has superseded Christianity yeah. and Judaism is the sequel, isn't it? And it's like oh, I think uh, actually on the mosque is the inscription that Allah is one and He has no sons. Mm. You know, so it's like get lost, yeah. Christians. <laughs> yeah. See what we think of you. Yeah. So um, it's it's quite profound, isn't it? This yes. this Jerusalem effect in, mm. and this kind of claiming of the holy city. Yes. Um, because politically in the 60s when sort of a united Arab movement attempts to dislodge the modern Israel and, and destroy it and, and take it back for Islam, they lose. Yeah. And so Islam collectively then has a bit of a crisis of its own thinking, are we not strong? Are we not chosen? Are we not the brothers? Are we not the faithful? Can't we win? And jihadism as we know it now is is kind of partly a reaction to that where you have to admit, for once, that we're not only, you know, not the dominant global force, but we're not even the global dominant force in our own neighbourhood, in yeah. Jerusalem. Because the this... West has come and become this great big thing in our way. So we have to use something else to kind of get under it and lever it out and, and win it back. And so the, the eschatological, the, the end timey, the last idea is to get rid of this thing and bring Islam back to, to the Holy Land and, and yeah. put things straight in that sense. If we go back to the grid that we talked about, mm. like for a, an eschatolo- eschatology... The recipe. Yes, what's in our recipe, and we said an existential threat yes. due to certain possible factors. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess Islam faced an existential threat by the sort of cosy little hegemony between Israel and the US. Yeah, well, the, the, the big fat nuclear bombs therein. Yeah, yes, for yeah. sure. And so that's like, like you say, right on our doorstep, mm-hmm. literally. We're in the Parked Middle East and here it is, this, this new kid on the block. Yeah. Um, so then we have also, so that's our first ingredient. We also have the you know obviously the massive military might of america and what might they do to defend israel's Mm -hmm. sovereignty and so on then we also have um a significant moral decline i think when yeah within islam for sure i mean 
if you look at photos of, of Muslim countries um, during, like in the post-war period, let's yeah. say like the from the kind of end of the Ottoman Empire, like Afghanistan. Yeah, for it sure. was quite a liberal. Country there were, there were bit, universities with women with their heads uncovered in there. They were riding bicycles People and wearing smoking. Western clothes. Yeah. Um, and this, the same is true, you know, in, in the Arab countries, in Egypt, Turkey particularly, you've got Ataturk and the creation of a secular yeah. Islamic Republic. And the, the, the moral crisis is uh, for, for these jihadists is Westernism. And it's, it's American, Western, liberal kind of beliefs that are watering Islam down yeah. and, and making us drink and smoke and fornicate and things. And yeah. that is the big threat. Yeah, for sure. So is this massive degradation of moral values Traditional, and yeah. the sort of and and i think for a Mus- uh, for a, a religion like islam mm. and christianity perhaps lesser judaism but judaism has some really interesting things that it won't budge on for sure um it, it, it that moral decline is always seen as a threat the yeah. biblical prophets who who were writing to people in their own time were always calling people back to holiness and yeah, yeah. to be set apart from God and to remember their That's true right. identity, Put their off true your destiny. Sin. Yeah. yeah, rend your hearts, not your garments. You know, mm-hmm. it's, this is the kind of thing. And so they had this massive thing, and of course they were able to characterize America yeah. as the big Satan. Yeah. And Britain is the little Satan. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and once you've done that, you don't have to think anymore. No, you can just say... So oh, who's invaded... Iraq. Iraq. Or Afghanistan. Oh, great Satan and little Satan. Yeah. Who's responsible for the fact my daughter's got a boyfriend? Oh, great Satan, probably. And who's responsible for the fact there's beers and taverns in yeah. Islamic cities? Great Satan. Great Satan. It's all just See? straightforward, straightforward. It's why we need jihad. Well, you know that's well. They that would, would be say the argument. Yes, yeah, sorry, I'm let, not. Re- let the listener not mistake us. Yes, I'm not recruiting today. Not just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> but so, if we're looking at the world in this state of moral decline, sure. that needs a black flag army released mm, on the earth, a big call to arms. How do you create enough? pandemonium in the earth how do you create enough disorder and flux to really get recruitment off to a swing well i think you've probably got to do something as big as plonking a israel a jewish israel in the middle of the middle east haven't you which is plonking big planes into the middle of new york yep or something absolutely so you've got to strike at the heart of the very idea of what is westernism what is the great center well it's the financial liberal prosperous yeah kind of morally lapsed new york isn't it and what is a more symbolic of it than the world trade center oh well exactly and so um at some point the dastardly plan was hatched Mm -hmm. in some dusty camp somewhere in afghanistan and now we have to pay extra for luggage on airplanes. Oh, my life. Yes, so <laughs> so much changed, didn't it? And yeah, I remember that morning. I, I, I think everybody remembers where they were when they first saw those images on mm, TV. I came I'd, in from school. Yeah, I'd gone to visit a guy mm. who, nothing to do with the story, but just happened... It, I, I'd been asked to go and visit him because he was dying of sure. cancer. Right. I was in his house, never been there before, mm. never been there since. And the TV was on. Mm. And suddenly, it's like your mouth is open and you're watching these things. You're thinking, is this some kind of movie? Yeah. And is it's this like, real? Yeah. 
and you see pictures of people just stood outside TV shops with their mouths open yeah. in disbelief, looking at the same thing. And you realise, man, the world has changed. This is different now, isn't it? They have... Francis Fukuyama was wrong. So the the thing is that that does start the, the great war of the Middle East all afresh again, doesn't yeah. it? I think within Islam and in the 20th century history that I've been sort of looking at, what I've seen is that the, the question is, are we in a state of jihad or not? And as long as I live in a land, if I'm a Muslim, as long as I live in a land that's ruled by a Muslim, I can kind of say we're not in war, we're in the peacetime. And in the peacetime, there's various freedoms and settlements for Jews and Christians. And, you know, it's peaceable, it's trade, it's science. So settled Islam was quite an interesting historical force. But the question is, yeah. is it jihad? And once uh, the, the interesting thing of the post-war time was the military dictators that were installed. I mean, the likes of Saddam Hussein or um, Syria, oh, Assad, you know, and these were people who did a bit of a deal with the West to say, we'll create no trouble for the oil industry if you let us have this one. And they ruled hideous authoritarian re regimes. But Islam, Muslims within that country would say, at least they're Muslim. At least I live in a place ruled by, you know, we're not in the war here. Mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not all called to arms. We're, we're sort of still in an Islamic country. But if America invades and, you know, 1st Marine Infantry Battalion pulled down the statue of Saddam and, and shoot him in his bunker or, you know, hand him over to be hung by his people, then I'm not living in a... Muslim country anymore I'm living in a western country and that makes me think oh dear the war is on yes I, I, my country has been taken over Under by the west and yeah. therefore I've got to fight so and we're now talking about a regime change yes but by a morally bankrupt western decadent yeah. western yes nation and so the Muslims who lived in Afghanistan would never um, never tolerate the western backed government and the Muslims who lived in Iraq wouldn't tolerate the Western kind of backed government there and ISIS was the sort of fresh call to arms that grew right. out of that to say yeah. rather than having a Western installed democratic government we're going to have a caliphate according to the precepts of Islam as we understand them black flags back out yeah. everybody's fighting come from all ends of the earth come back join the caliphate we're doing it and, and that's the that's a buzzword isn't it the yeah. caliphate yes a global caliphate true is it's a kind of trigger word that again is looking towards a kind of end. utopian end yes where this caliphate settles all the silliness mm -hmm. around the world and yeah. brings back moral values and i suppose probably it's true to say that the nearest thing we've got as a perhaps maybe a particular group of people's interpretation of what that might look mm -hmm. like is the Taliban sure. in Afghanistan. Yeah. Well, that's because ISIS got dunked on so badly and they're already barely a force anymore. But we'll leave that aside. The Taliban, as the people who indigenously reclaimed their country from this wicked Western invasion, is the Taliban, yeah, yeah for sure. Because their thing has worked so far. Nobody yeah. can be bothered to take it back. And... I suppose that the, the next question is what now? Because the the vitriol and the true believing and the, the kind of ready to lay your life down 
is part of this jihadi eschatology where it's like it's better that I die than that I accept the corrupt thing from before. Yes. But once you've got what you wanted, can you now see the guy the the end coming, the final day of judgment arriving? And if you can't, you might start asking the question again of like, wait a second, I was promised a big returning person to come and follow the black flags yeah. with the unified Islam. And what I've got is actually Sunni, Sufi, Shia discord still. I've got Iran, Turkey, Saudi Arabia sort of plotting and counterplotting. I've got socialist Kurds. I've got dictatorships. I've got people backed by the West, people backed by China, people backed by Russia. People, You've got Jewish Israel still there. Yeah. And actually... I I feel a little bit like we just did it and then now we what's did our next? best and yes. we haven't got what we were hoping and, for. And I my suspicion is that that kind of question and conversation will continue into the next yes. 10 20 years or so. So I I suppose we're, what we're discovering is that there is a quite a powerful mm. um eschatology within Islam massive yeah. and particularly with within the jihadist movement mm-hmm. that has the power to bring the tribal guys of the Middle East who are easy to dismiss as being not very significant they don't have nukes for instance onto center stage yep. and affecting not only geopolitics but where colossal billions of dollars get spent and, you know, lives are lost. Mm -hmm. Um, Americans, British, others are, you know, came home in coffins draped in their flag because of the conflict in a war that kind of wasn't their war. Just talk, Pete, just real quick about the added ingredient that wasn't there back in the 6th and 7th century mm-hmm. when Islam was emerging but that is now a major element in that which is oil that is an interesting point um the western empires that spread out in kind of from 1492 sort of time the age of exploration that took western powers into the americas into africa into asia to colonize and kind of look for resources um in general their approach was if people will trade with us at rates we appreciate then they can keep their country and whatever and we'll just kind of take the best of the stuff we want back to europe and and so sugar and rum tobacco spices um all sorts of stuff gold and silver but if they're not friendly and they're not willing to trade or they're not willing to trade at rates we appreciate we have a technological edge that will blow them out of the water. So we'll eviscerate the Aztecs, the Incas, the West African yeah. kingdoms, and we'll make slaves out of a lot of them and subjugate them entirely. This is colonialism and imperialism at its best. The for At that time, the Middle East and the kind of countries and powers that were ruling the lands were kind of strong and yet at the same time sort of weak but the thing was that they there was a trade route which went from the east to the west like china india through to europe and and to the middle east and the middle east is sort of the 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 passage 
but there's not so much actual resources there that the Western powers want in the 15, 1600s. Sure. So really the West bypassed the Middle East and never really took it over at that time. Mm. They sort of left it there. Whereas the sort of great mines and gold mines and, and spice farms of, of Southeast Asia and the Americas and all these things. More um, interesting. Much more interesting, much yeah. more profitable. Yeah. And so they take them over. And at the beginning of the 20th century, the Ottoman Empire, which is the dominant power in the Middle East, is starting to collapse. And it's only quite recently at that point that people have discovered that oil comes out of the ground yes. and not just out of whales. And there's certain parts of the world that has a lot of it. Yes, and the explorations in the 19th century by the British and the French mostly, but also American and other um, explorers um, to find out if there's oil under there, they just could not believe their eyes. You know, they, the readings showed that there was more oil in the Middle East than everywhere else in the world combined. And so suddenly the Middle East is up for grabs. Yeah. And so the, the, the kind of Sykes-Picot line <coughs> where colonial France and colonial England took over the most of the pieces of the Ottoman Empire as it collapsed, Syria and Lebanon to the French, for instance, Palestine, Egypt and Iraq to the British. And this was all part of the same colonial enterprise. It's just now the powers sort of knew the value of it in terms of their own markets. And so all that's to say that Islam as, it, as itself was in a way for a lot of centuries during the age of exploration, a competitor right. against Britain and France. You know, they had colonial empires in North sure. Africa and South Asia. They had, um, you know, lots of national powers and entities and sultanates and caliphates that ruled lands and and when they talked with their western counterparts they believed you know we're just as strong and tough as you guys and um for that period islam i think it's fair to say was on the decline where it's sort of the the attraction of the power of the west was sort of quite persuasive yeah but it is the discovery of resource that sort of destabilized the status quo and post-war it was like, it's on now. You know, who's yes. going to get this incredible Who's going to wealth? own the Suez Canal? Who's yeah. going to control who's it? Who's going to dominate the, the sort of main population centres? And how are we going to sort of get our outcome, i.e. our profit, out of yeah. it? Yeah. And I and guess it makes suddenly small nations incredibly cash-rich. Incredibly. And I mean, that is still them, the case you know, now. A huge leverage on the world stage yes. isn't it like yes yeah, Saudi Arabia because Britain and France and Spain and Germany and Italy can barely afford to have a World Cup even though we've got all the football stadiums already built but Qatar can just build them and, and just do whatever it needs yeah. to do to get them and it just has this limitless supply of capital okay. and so we'll buy football teams we'll buy you know, London properties will buy anything going because we're the ones with all the cash. And it is interesting that probably ahead of us is a time where I think eventually you'd have to agree that the world will become a lot less oil dependent than it currently is. Yeah, and slowly. one day that power shift will, will move again. Yeah. And if nobody wants your oil and oil's the only thing you've got that's worth anything, then that will kind of produce a new geopolitical tension they do say don't they that the wars will shift from being about oil to about water that's and that's a growing it, yeah. area of tension isn't it, it is. but it's really interesting isn't it how the i suppose what we're saying is that these eschatological beliefs and aspirations mm -hmm. of people in the 
you know, in Muslim controlled countries or sure. Muslim countries, Muslim dominated countries, yeah, yeah. Um, have really brought they they they've influenced the world massively. Yeah. In certainly in my lifetime, mm. in a way that I could never have imagined. No, and well, I mean, if you told Francis Fukuyama in the early nineties that in the twenty first century. Yeah. By 2022, we're going to think of the main geopolitical things as being wars in the Middle East. He wouldn't have believed you. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And so, um, so we've got all the ingredients, really, haven't we? Yeah, we've, we've got, got the got... catastrophe, we've got the moral decline, we've got the prophets, we've got we've the got sandwich board ex- people bringing it down into the ordinary people. Experts who wrote books on jihad, t- uh, 1,500 pages of technical how yep. to wage war yep. in uh, against a superpower in your own country where yep. you know the landscape and you don't mm. so talking about cells and small units yep. of people how to use modern communications yep. to as a weapon in your favor and how to learn from irish terrorism yeah to create ieds and stuff to blow up passing military vehicles yeah yep. Um, so we've got the 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 prophets, mm-hmm. the experts, the sandwich board guys, and I. When I think of the sandwich board guys for jihad, I think of people like Jihadi John, who was yeah, an ordinary yeah. guy from England, That's right. who goes becomes a jihadist, mm-hmm. makes videos, they appear on on the internet and stuff, and yeah. and he's kind of literally flying the flag for, for this Islamic ideology Islamic, yeah. ideology which for most. Yeah. And Most what is it he is, says? He says the caliphate is established. Yeah. Come, like, let's get going. This is it. This is our this time. This is the big time. Yeah. So, but the thing is that the eschatological, <laughs> the, the last thing study that we can see in all of this is um, these very, very straightforward beliefs about there's a big, big problem. It's got to be solved by a combination of divine intervention and popular uprising to meet the need. Yeah. And then it's all going to get settled. We're all going to be finally done. And then the end, 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 end will come. come yeah. yeah. So they have some um, big sort of moral conditions that we've talked about. Sure, that they're yeah. expecting religious knowledge will be taken away. Mm-hmm. Death of religious learned men. Religious ignorance will prevail. Drinking of alcoholic drinks will be very common. Mm. Prevalence of open, illegal sexual intercourse and yes. so on. This was written in, in 1503. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and uh, there's several Quranic verses, just of interest, really, which have got some similarity to biblical um, texts. So they talk about the day, which is a common theme in... Yeah, the day of the Lord in the Jewish Bible. and Christian apocalyptic literature when the sun is folded up and the stars fall losing their luster yeah that's revelation and um which is a biblical text you can look up the reference if you want but um it says when the oceans are suffered to burst forth and when the graves are turned upside down mm-hmm. again quite yeah. biblical isn't it and what is the day of noise and clamor it is a mm-hmm. day whereon men will be like moths scattered about on the mountains like carded wool so talking about like cataclysmic global events leading up to this day of the Lord this yep. final day of judgment mm-hmm. and yet massively influential for a generation of people and who knows what iterations of 
jihadist theology will appear. I mean, it's still alive yeah, well, and well in sure. countries of Africa doing all kinds of things. dreadful things, and it splinters off into a, lots of different factions like mm. Boko Haram and um, Al Shabaab, yeah, and Al Shabaab and all these others, and yeah. and uh, but there we go. There we go. We have it. I mean, yeah. that that is an eschatology, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's one that's live and it's out there and it's affecting billions of us at a time. And I mean, the question of hope and and what we could want from in, out of a dialogue, perhaps with with Muslims and with Islam. I mean, for me, I would want us to have a good hard look at exactly what has transpired, understand why, and then say, actually, for the faithful Muslim that's looking to jihad and eschatology I, I would say just look at what has happened yeah look at the fruit the, of it the black the flag the was teaching. a false dawn wasn't yeah, it yeah it was it's already come to very little and it's produced nothing nothing good of a real gain oh the the In worst life. thing is i mean the the christian terrorists who invaded the middle east in the crusades those yeah. people who killed everyone you know yeah. everyone destroyed all these places and killed so many people Christians, I hope, are able to look back a thousand years and say, we were wrong. That yeah, was wrong. That is it generally... was bad. Killing everybody and stabbing innocent people because of this misguided belief about who owns what and how to inaugurate yeah. the time of the end. It's horrible. It helps no one. Yeah. It's a disaster of morality. It's a complete catastrophe yeah. socially. And for the people who need to find God, it's just about the biggest injury you can do them. Because, yeah. I mean, I'll talk to people today, Paul, and I'll say, consider Christianity. And they'll say, what about the Crusades? Why, yeah. Why would I think of joining a religion that did that? And we can't disown it. We no. have to admit it and say it was yeah. wrong. It was, it was. It was a gross misreading of Scripture. It was, and it was a gross misreading of, of the present times. Yeah. Because those people thought this is the last big manoeuvre before the end. Which Those it people clearly wasn't. Obviously yeah. not. No. Yeah. But I hope that people will be able to look at the appalling atrocities committed in the name of jihad in the twenty yeah. first centuries and say that was bad. That was. This wrong. is my reason I, for leaving. Yeah, yeah. I don't want any part with this because yeah. it's horrible. Murdering people and killing people and blowing them up and stabbing them and it's just wrong. Yeah. I hate it when. Britain does it. I hate it when jihadists do it. I hate it when everybody does it. I just don't want to know. Yeah. And when I'm thinking about my own eschatology, I'm thinking, well, for the good of all things godly, whatever my eschatology is, it better not be about shooting and stabbing and killing everyone. Cause... Absolutely. Amen to that. <laughs> I'm not having it. <laughs> good. <laughs> so that's our session for today but we're going the next time we're going to look at the whole topic of climate change mm. and how that has become an eschatology yeah. or it is an eschatology and how the similar themes that we've been talking about are present mm -hmm. is a very different it's completely flipping our thinking on its head yeah. compared to say jihadism but nonetheless Join us for the next session when we're looking at climate change. Until then, have a great day. See you there.